are taking over your airwaves. In three, two, one. One, one, one. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Binge Buster Show. As we are coming to you this week, right here in our studios in the wrestling capital of the South, Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, before I get started, I want to bring on right now my co-host, co-host, co-conspirator, Chris Rock and Roll Plano. Chris, what is going on? Woo, Tony, oh my gosh, we're back another week here. I'm so excited. We have a great show lined up for the fans. I know there's a lot going on in the wrestling world right now, in the music world, but I'm excited about the show tonight. And um, hey, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, and we're ready to roll. Yeah, it's going to be a great show, Chris. Uh, you know, this week has been uh, one of those weeks where it's like, man, what else can happen? Uh, as uh, you know, the, the last podcast we done, we had just lost Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And uh, this week, we understand that we lost uh, the assassin, number one, uh, talking about Jody Hamilton. Not only was he the assassin, but he was also uh, the, one of the head trainers there at World Championship Wrestling. He uh, became a manager. He managed uh, Pretty Wonderful. And, of course, uh, many others, uh, many other wrestlers uh, have, have you know, become wrestlers. Uh, because of the assassin and not only that he's yeah. also the father of uh, referee nick patrick so uh our hearts go out to uh to the uh, uh hamilton family uh but chris if I, could, if I could chime in yes please please uh, and jody i i didn't actually even know that jody passed away gosh oh my god i had a flashback there tony jody um you god what what a what a great guy um you know he didn't know me from adam um other than via through Pistol Pez Watley and, uh, um, you, you know, I'm going back, you know, late eighties, the late, um, yeah, late nineties here, you know, Jody was really instrumental, um, you know, in sending a lot of guys from what was back then the WCW power plant to work some, some of my shows, he would send two, three, four five guys up, uh, to work to get to some, some ring time, which was, a which was kind of exciting. And, you know, Pez was involved in that as well. And, and Rocky King and those guys, but, uh, gosh, I, I did not know that I, I, you know, talking to the guy on the, on the phone and, you know, meeting him in person. I only met him in person one time, but, you know, talked to him on the phone many a times. Um, you know, what, what a great guy. The guy had just so much knowledge for the business. It was, um, he was a hidden gem down working at the power plant and, and, and behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of my first uh, memories of the assassin was, uh, when he uh, was teaming with uh, Hercules Hernandez as the assassins mm -hmm. in, in Mid Atlantic and with Paul Jones as their manager, and they were feuding with our good friend, handsome Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. And mm -hmm. if you remember, the assassins yeah. done something that a lot of people never thought would ever happen. They cut off the beard of uh, handsome Jimmy. And uh, mm -hmm. of course, put him into depression. But then he came back with the with the boogie woogie man jam and uh, yeah, pack, packed out the Charlotte and the Greensboro Coliseum. And uh, man, it, they were they were off to the races. But uh, yeah, definitely a sad time uh, losing uh, the assassin. And uh, man, it's just crazy. But uh, the reason for our podcast this week, uh, you know, I, I, we we had another topic we were going to talk. 
But then uh, today when we hear the passing of uh, of beautiful Bobby Eaton, and, uh, you know, a lot of wrestlers have passed away over the last few weeks, uh, Chris. But I have to say, uh, losing Bobby, I mean, it, hit me the hardest i woke up this morning about 6 30 and my facebook page was flooded with people talking about it and i was like wait wait a minute now hold on and uh mm-hmm. but man i have to tell you uh, um yeah i think i've talked about this on another previous podcast but uh bobby eaton is the, the main reason i become a pro wrestler i know um when i went to wrestling camp and started uh training and learning my craft um Bobby was at the end was my favorite and always has been my favorite. And I patterned my wrestling style after Bobby Eaton. I would do the, his swinging neck breaker. And, um, and anyway, when, 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 uh, when I was trying to figure out my name, like, like what I was going to call myself, uh, you know, Bobby was beautiful. Bobby, you know, and Midnight express was my, was my favorite tag team. So uh, I knew I wanted to do something similar to Bobby, but Bobby had the nickname, bb you know so i i had to have tt mm-hmm. i had to have tt so i was trying to come up with a name that started you know that, that sounded good with tony and my cousin who used to come with me to the matches um he said hey uh isn't beautiful bobby your favorite wrestler i'm like yeah he's like well if bobby's beautiful then you be terrific and that's that's kind of how i got my name terrific tony my cousin gave it to me but not only that you know mm-hmm. i wanted it to be similar to bobby's and um and it was and then as the years went by and i become you know, wrestling and learning and everything and then i finally got to meet bobby um i told him i said um you know i always had my gear always made by k and h which is the same people that made all the gear for all the big stars in the 80s and I went up to Bobby one time at a show, and I said, "I said, Bobby, man, I said, you know, my name's Tony. I'm glad to meet you." Uh, and he said, "Hey, nice to meet you too." And he asked me who I was trained by, and I told him. And then he said, "Oh, sit down here and let's let's talk." So we talked for a little bit, and he gave me a few pointers in wrestling. And then I I told him, I said, "I said, Bobby, I said, man, you always had the greatest looking gear of all time." And he and he was so humble. He's like, "Oh, well, thank you." And I said, "But I have to tell you." My favorite tights that you ever wore was when you was in the mm-hmm. Dangerous Alliance, the red ones with the shooting stars. And he looked at my tights I had on. He says, well, brother, he said, uh, the same lady made my tights, made your tights. So if you want a pair, just call up here and tell her. <laughs> so so wow. I did. I did. You know, Bobby gave me permission to go have tights made like his. And uh, so I did. And then after I had them made, I wore them a few years. And then I was on another show with him one time. And uh I walked past him and said, hey, brother, hey, I like them tights. I wish I had a pair like those. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Wow. You know, he was, uh, you know, he did have a pair like them, you know, but it was Bob, Bobby was so, uh, was so great. And uh, another funny story, uh, I'm, I'm tagging with Bobby, right, Chris? We're, we're, ta- we're, mm-hmm. t- we're tagging in a tag match, right? And we're, we're the baby faces and we're working this heel team. And, uh, I, I got a little, I'm getting a little heat on the other team and, um, and uh, so I I uh, I, sh- I shoot the guy. Well, I asked Bobby before we go out there. I'm like, Hey, Bobby, are you going to do the swinging neck breaker? Because I used to always do it, right? So, Bobby, are you going to do the swinging neck breaker? He's like, What's that? Like he's ribbing me, right? Like he's not. Mm-hmm. He's pretending like he don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm like, You know, Bobby, you shoot the guy in the ropes. You give him the the boot to the stomach. Then you hit the other rope. You come in. You do the swinging neck breaker. He's like, uh, Brother, I ain't never done that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So I'm like, mm-hmm. Either Bobby's not thinking right. 
or he's ribbing me, right. which I knew he was ribbing me, right? So we get one of the two, one yeah. something going on. So we get in the match, right? And I and I I look at him and I shoot the dude in. I give him the boot and I look at Bobby. I point to Bobby and I run in. I give the guy the swinging neck breaker, and I look over to get to, to you know to see what Bobby's reaction is going to be. And Bobby gives me the X, which is the Midnight Express sign, right? So mm-hmm. I, so I knew then Bobby liked it, and then he said, "Hey brother, tag me in, tag me in." So I go mm-hmm. tag him in. He picks the dude up, shoots the guy in, gives the guy the same move. So this guy has to take the same neck breaker twice, once from me, once from Bobby. And then um, then later on I get, you know, I, I, I get a little hot. I get some more heat with this guy's, and I'm getting him arm drags. Boom, boom, I get him arm drag. And then Bobby comes in the ring, and he stops. He goes, oh, wait a minute. Oh, brother. He goes, I want to take that move. <laughs> So Bobby, right. Bobby wanted to he wanted to come in and feed to my arm drag too, which I thought was was really funny. It was a good compliment as well because after the match, Bobby's like, "Brother, those are Ricky those those Ricky Steamboat arm drags were beautiful." And I said, "Oh, well, thank you." But um, mm-hmm. but Bobby was such a great soul. Now, Chris, when when you were running NDW, did you ever did uh, you ever use Bobby Eaton on any of your shows? You know, I never used really. To my knowledge, no, I never used the Midnight Express. The Rock and Roll Express, absolutely. Um, you know, Tony, I got, I got to say, I, I never did. Um, I, I'd be tell, telling a fib if I did, but uh, gosh, just so many memories of them, and um, I, I mean, they were just, they were in the mix with the NWA and, 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 the, and, and really the tag team wrestling scene on a national level. I mean, it was like what drew me to the midnight express. And I, I mean, I'm not gonna say I was ever a big fan of the midnight express. They were there. I loved them. They had great rivalries, but I loved their entrance music. Oh yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> when sure. They were walking to the ring when that beat hit. And there was no lyrics even being played. You just knew who was coming to the ring, whether it was, you know, Dennis Condry, Stan Lane with, with Bobby, whoever was in that ring that night at any major NWA wrestling event, you knew you were in for a brawl Yeah, that evening. And Jim Cornette coming down to the ring with the tennis racket. There it is. There Chris. it is. There it is. Yeah. You know, Chris, funny story. I mean, I mean you just knew, you, you just knew, how can I say this, Tony? You knew just from the beat who was walking the aisle. Yes. They didn't, they didn't even need an introduction from the ring announcer. No. Just like when Flair's music would hit or Dusty's music would hit or rock and roll. And, and Tony, the list goes on and on. But from a, and the Freebirds as well. I mean, but from a heel standpoint, when that music hit, Okay, here come the Midnight Express. They whether they were they had the straps around their waist or not, it didn't even matter. It it didn't matter. They, they, it was just over. You know, they were like you know they were the first. Um, you know, it, it, you know we'll we'll get more into this as the as the podcast goes on. But I think one of the greatest comp, accomplishments of the Midnight Express was you know in the eighties, um, if if you were if 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 you were if you were in a uh, if you're in a tag team and you were already a tag team champion um mm-hmm. and you went against another tag team so in other words if if you was u.s tag champions and you take it on the world tag champions right um the belts aren't going to change hands because they're not going to two uh, one team's not going to hold both belts they never let that happen in the history of professional wrestling until 
the Midnight Express got in the feud with the four horsemen. I'm talking about Arn and Tully. And, um, and man, once they started, um, you know, that, that if, if Arn and Tully hadn't jumped to WWF at the time, I think that that feud between the rocker, between the Midnight Express and the Four Horsemen would have been just as big, if not bigger, than the feud between the Rock and Roll and the Midnight because, mm-hmm. you know, that that feud was so hot and so um, it had so much heat and so much realism in it. Like like as a fan, you really bought into. I remember when I was a kid, you know, watching this feud on TV. Um, up and up until this point, Bobby Eaton never ever talked on TV. Never, he he never, never he never he talked on TV. To. No, he didn't need to. And no, no, Bobby Eaton. Th- that was the mystique about Bobby. Eaton. Was he Jim Cornette? Uh, listen, he did all the talking for the Midnight Express, and maybe Dennis Condry a little, a little bit. And Stan Lane had the look. Stan, he had a look that no one else could. But Bobby Eaton, he did his talking in the ring. Yeah, and and right now, uh, uh, right <laughs> you know? now, Chris, I, I want to play a little clip of what I'm talking about. Uh, this happened on July the 30th, 1988, as. Uh, their, their own television, the Midnight Express, just got through uh, working a match, and they're doing an interview, and um, J.J. Dillon and Ole, and I'm sorry, J.J. Dillon and Arn and Tully interrupt their interview, and this is the first time, fans, that, that you got to hear Bobby Eaton talk on TV. But, yeah, that was a, a tremendous feud um, with the Horsemen and um, and the Midnight Express. That you know, like I said, they they never put two heels against each other. But of course, at the end, once uh, Bobby and Stan defeated Arn and Tully, and then they went mm-hmm. to WWF, uh, Midnight Express become baby faces. Like, and but it was so weird because they they still cheated. They 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 the Cornette still cut heel promos on the fans, but the fans still cheered them. And then finally, you know, they 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 finally started working like baby faces. Absolutely, and, and you know, even though they were baby faces, I, you know, I, I think the fans, and and probably some cheered for them, and and some were still like, okay, but it didn't matter. I mean, I I just think the skill level they had was was great for tag team wrestling at a perfect time for the NWA and and for and for the for Southern wrestling and and who they feuded with. It was rock and roll, the Fantastics, or the, you know, whoever else stepped in the ring with them. It worked. And I'm going to tell you right now, Dennis Contry was a bad you-know-what in the ring. Oh, he, he, he <laughs> listen, he was outside I mean, the ring, too. <laughs> yeah, outside the ring, too. And, and Bobby found a way to make it, make it work with that team. And Jim Cornette was the mouthpiece. And then Stan Lane came in. I, I, I mean, really, Stan Lane, you, you know, brought uh, something to the team that, they didn't have with, with, with Dennis and easily it could have imploded that team, you know, with, with, with Stan Lane's kind of arrogance, you know, Bobby Eaton in the background, they could almost did an angle there. <laughs> they may have a, but the thing is, is it, it still worked at the end of the day and it still made themselves relevant. And, you know, when, when you talk about, you know, when you talk about say top 10, tag teams of all time. I'm going to go top 10 because everyone's going to have their opinion. I, I don't know. I don't know about top five. I, there's a lot out there. 
I got to say, they're in the Midnight Express is in the talk. You, you, you know, yeah. When you go of all time tag teams, at least at least top five, they're definitely in the top five, yeah. without a doubt. You know, you, you, you know, and and yes, some people might put them in the top five. I, I'll go ten just because of <laughs> you know everyone else is out there, and you know, but but if you're a hardcore, yeah, they probably could be top five. Yeah, of all time, and and you know, you know, when you start thinking of the Road Warriors, rock and roll, mm-hmm. we, we can go down the list there. Oh or, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's it's it, it's crazy. Yeah, and Chris, I'll, I'll tell you, if you look back on the history of the Midnight Express, how they started and where they ended up at, um, you know, later on in the WWF, they they put Bob Holly and Bart Gunn together as the New Midnight Express, but you know, mm-hmm. I, we're, we're not even going to talk about that. Okay, what, what I want to talk about is yeah, the, that the, was garbage. Yo, for sure, I want to talk about the formation of the Midnight Express and. And I and I like and like, what I like to refer to as the glory years of that name and that team. Now, in 19, uh, 1980, Dennis Condry and Randy Rose uh, were the original Midnight Express. They mm-hmm. formed they formed that team in nineteen eighty, uh, and then in nineteen eighty one they uh, they uh, were joined by Norvell Austin, uh, and then this group disbanded in nineteen eighty three. But later that same year, a new version of the Midnight Express was formed in Mid-South Wrestling, uh, teaming up Condry and Bobby Eaton with the manager Jim Cornette. Um, after leaving Mid-South, they uh, competed very briefly in Dallas's, uh, you know, Fritz von Erich's World Class Championship Wrestling. And then in uh, 1985, uh, they moved to Jim Crockett Promotions, and that is where... Uh, the Midnight Express became, you know, worldwide stars. Uh, you know, everybody became a worldwide star when they came to Crockett Promotions in '85 because that's when they got the Superstation and it really took off. Then in 1987, uh, now before this, uh, before I get to '87, uh, there in 1980, you know, the uh, Midnight, Midnight Express comes to Crockett Promotions in '85. They, they're the first feud is with uh, Jimmy Valiant and Miss Atlanta Lively. And then right after that is when they finally hooked them up with the rock and roll, and we finally got to see the two Expresses uh, feud. Uh, and, of course, they would trade the world tag team titles uh, once, uh, you know, just one time at that point. Um, and then in 1987, um, out of the blue, Condry leaves, and they replace Condry with Stan Lane. And... Uh, Mm-hmm. And that, and to me, and I'm not taking anything away from Dennis Condry. I love Dennis Condry, but but my favorite yeah. version of the Midnight Express was Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton. Um, they mm-hmm. they would put up these moves, Chris, uh, <laughs> and 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 these moves would have these uh, cool, crazy names like like they they'd have this move where the guy'd be in the middle of the ring and uh, Bobby would come out and roll into the guy's legs and Stan would give mm-hmm. the guy a clothesline. They call that the double goozle. Uh, they had the mm-hmm. rocket launcher. They had the uh, divorce court, uh, the flapjack. I mean, they had so many names, the grave digger. They, they had so many names for these, for these finishing holes and these finishing moves they that they came all, up man. with. I mean, they had it going on. Um, and then uh, something cool happens in uh, 1988. Uh, Dennis Condry returns 
to World Championship Wrestling with his original partner, Randy Rose, as the original Midnight Express. They jumped Bobby and Stan and Cornette on uh, on television, and then that feud takes off. Um, then they feud a little bit more with rock and roll, and then mm-hmm. in 1988, they uh, do their feud with the Horsemen, which turns out to be you know, tremendous as well. Um, and then, of course, the Midnight Express, they, they, they break up in 89, uh, or I'm sorry, in 90 and 1990. Uh, Stan and Cornette leave World Championship Wrestling, but Bobby stays behind and uh, has a has a really good um, singles uh, run with the World Television title, and he ends up dropping that one to Stunning Steve, who's not quite Stone Cold yet. Um, but then, uh, you know, the Midnight Express, they reunite, and, and this is something that nobody saw coming, but in 2004 through 2011, uh, the Midnight Express, Bobby and uh, Dennis, get back together, and they are on this tour of the independent circuit, and they re- they 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 renew their feud with the Rockland Express, and it's like all these people that wanted to see this match never got to see it live. Now get to see it. Um, now, Chris, were, were you ever were you ever able to witness any of that um, stuff that they did from 2004 to 2011? Not so much. I mean, yeah, I, I did. I, I did. And yeah, it was some crazy stuff. Um, you know, you know, if, if there is one thing that tickles me pink is I actually got to see the, the midnight express wrestle in, in, in person, you know, a couple of times and also Bobby in one-on-one, you know, you know, a, a kid from up in the Northeast didn't have that kind of exposure right. like you did down here, Tony. You drive over to the Greensboro Coliseum or the LJVM, and they're they're right there in front of you. Oh yeah. So you know, it, it was it was a treat um, to see them wrestle in in person. Um, you, not, you know, not you know, not so much Jim. Cor- I mean, I knew Jim Cornette obviously from the WWF days, and he was bouncing all all around and stuff. But um, you know, and and. Uh, and and the great thing with the Midnight Express was that was 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 the, was the tennis racket. I mean, yeah, you know, Cornet, whether he used it or, or one of the guys used it, whatever. You all you always knew the tennis racket was going to be somewhere in, in in the mix, especially on 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 the the bigger shows in major cities and pay per views and 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 on national television. So, you know, um, but yeah, there was also some other crazy stuff with the Midnight Express going on, and and you know, I you know it was like. I know that that area you're talking about, but, um, yeah, but you know, when, when it comes to their wrestling ethic in the ring, you know, I think it's, I think it was second to none. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And, uh, and, and if you just go back and look at all the championships that they've won and all different, uh, variations of the men, express, um, Eaton and Condry had the most, um, tag team uh, championships. They were the uh, all-star wrestling tag team champions. Uh, Jim Crockett Promotions, they were the NWA World Tag Team Champions. They were two times Mid-South Tag Team Champions. Uh, NWA Rocky Top Tag Team Champions 19 times, Chris. Um, and then, of course, in World Class Championship Wrestling, they were the uh, one-time NWA American oh. Tag Team Champions. They they had a lot, and then in 1986 they were known as uh the, you know they they were voted tag team of the year by the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Um, then Condry and Rose, 
they were the AWA World Tag Team Champions. They were the uh, Southern Tag Team Champions. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, the Midnight Express team was was very, very uh, successful in the wrestling business. Um, but but if you go back and look just at at Bobby Eaton, um, I, I think the you know that right there tells you who the uh, strong member was because without a doubt he was the longest member of the Midnight Express. Um, you know, uh, as far as how you know how long they they, they kept it going, uh, and of course today August the fourth, uh, we learned that that Bobby has passed away. Um, mm-hmm. But but all the respect that all the the biggest names in wrestling have. Um, I have never in my life ever heard anybody, and I don't think you ever will, um, hear them say anything, um, you know, sad or, or bad about, um, about Bobby Eaton. I mean, he was, um, just a tremendous hand in the ring and outside the ring, the nicest guy you ever met. Chris, a funny story about Bobby. Uh, I've, I've heard this story from a lot of guys, but Bobby would, in his, he would come to the buildings with this huge gym bag, right? And mm-hmm. in that bag, he he would have things for other people, like if they needed it. Like he would have socks, he would have toothbrushes. Uh, he would he would. I mean, he had extra stuff for everybody. He always came prepared. Um, and I and I thought that was uh, I thought that was really cool. And like I heard the Steiners uh, tell a story one time how they they were like trying to have a contest to see. If if they could ask for something and not not be in Bobby's bag, and so I think it was Rick said, "Hey, you got a spoon?" He's like, yeah, "I got a spoon," and of course he had like a whole silverware set <laughs> in this bag. So he, I mean, Bobby had Bobby was prepared. He was prepared inside the ring and outside the ring, and uh, you know, definitely the world has lost uh, a, uh, a a you know a great a great hand and a a, a great person. Um, Arn Anderson. Uh, went on his Twitter today and he says, um, the, this morning I was awakened by one of the voices that value that I value most my wife mm-hmm. on this day. She delivered the worst news possible. The world lost its finest citizen. If there yep. was a kinder, gentler person, I would sure love to meet them. I could spend all day talking about how special he was in a wrestling ring. That's easy. What is hard to do justice to the person he was to his family thank you for sharing bobby with the world i will treasure the memories of him forever and that was from Arn anderson and Arn and bobby no secret um you know behind the scenes they were they were really close friends and uh then of course they become a tag team in the um dangerous alliance and uh become wcw tag team champions you know, chris if you look back almost everybody that bobby teamed with he won titles with what i mean he, he was you know, it goes much more beyond the ring. He was respected in the locker room, respected outside the ring. I mean, he was a guy that showed up, did his job, made good money, very good money in the business. Um, and, 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 you know, he never really got wrapped up in a whole lot of different things. You know, he moved from town, you know, moved from town, went to the next book in next town. And, you know, that's just the way he lived his life, you know, and, 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 it, and it carried on, you, you know, outside the ring as well, both personally and professionally. And, you know, you know, I think if any organization had a hundred Bobby Eaton's, <laughs> they'd be in a perfect world. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, with no problems behind the scenes and locker rooms and drama and this and that. And I mean, and, um, 
you know, he just, I, I think he just enjoyed what he did, no matter what the storyline might have been or the match he was in and, uh, or, or, you know, or whether it was singles. And he wrestled singles a lot as well, not, not just tag team. I mean, right. and especially if they were trying to set up storylines on, on a singles end to eventually get to a tag team uh, um, um, angle at a certain city or town or on television. So, you know, he was a very good singles wrestler as well. I mean, but obviously the forte was the tag team and, and, uh, and Hey, it, it worked, man. I mean, it, it worked. And, and those were guys that will always be upper mid Carters uh, uh, up to main event. I mean, it was the midnight. They were never really low on the show, no. Uh, no matter what they were doing. So, I mean, they were definitely in what you saw on television. And then it came to your hometown. Yeah, for sure. Wrestling is definitely a better place uh, because of Bobby Eaton. I mean, he was he was one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, even Ric Flair would uh, would go out and say, you know, hey, Bobby is awesome. And and if, and of course, one time we got to see uh, on the Clash of the Champions, two out of three falls, Bobby Eaton and Ric Flair. Uh, man, they uh, took it down to the wire and uh, almost thought Bobby was going to take take Flair out, but uh, of course, there at the end, Flair came back, put on the figure four. And the rest is history, but uh, but man, this this one definitely uh, hits home. It hits a little harder than uh, than than most others. Um, and, you know, just for my personal personal thing is, uh, you know, he was my favorite wrestler, and uh, and I'm definitely sad, but uh, I'm also happy at the same time that I'm happy that I got to know him and meet him, and uh, I'm I'm glad that he that I you know he's um you know he 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 was the best at what he did, you know. Yeah, absolutely. He was a, you know, he definitely had a craft, um, you know, both, you know, from a technical standpoint in the ring and, um, you know, knew how to work the tag team matches and, um, you know, and it pissed off a lot of people <laughs> with the rock and roll express. And, and I mean, they were the team you love to hate. I mean, they really were, and they, they were perfect personalities. And at, at that time in wrestling, it worked. And, you know, I don't know to, in today's wrestling, Tony, if a lot of Bobby Eaton's could get over just because of the, the demographic of who the fan is today. But back when you and I, back in the 80s and 90s, it was over, no, ma- no matter what. Yes. And it, it, just, it just worked. And they drew money. They drew money from a tag team angle. And listen, and I'm going to say this per se. I know everyone came to see Flair and Dusty and, 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 and you know, Magnum and, and all those guys. But I think to a little bit of an extent, and maybe you might agree with me on this, I think some people really came to see some of the tag team matches. To take that all in and it's, yeah, we know flares in the main event and all that good stuff, but that drew great interest back then. And there were great storylines and, and people clung onto it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, another thing, if you look back and go watch Bobby Eaton do that Alabama jam, man, it's like, it looks like he's fallen forever off that top rope. Uh, oh. but, but man, it was, it was a beautiful move to see, uh, to see him hit, see him land on, man. It was great. So, uh, Bobby, uh, we, we, we love you. We miss you. And, uh, man, uh, our condolences 
and prayers out to the uh, Eaton family during this uh, tragic time. Uh, now, Chris, let's uh, let's let's kind of, kind of turn our our podcast. We, we kind of went in, re, in, in a reversal role, role this week, but uh, let's let's talk some let's talk some concerts now. Let's talk about uh, your your music report. Oh my gosh, <laughs> the music report. I mean, I mean, Tony, I'm going to tell you right now the concerts here in the Carolinas are off the scene, both on the national level, the local level. It's like the floodgates have opened up. I'm serious. I mean, PNC Music Pavilion in Charlotte's opened up, the Fillmore, the Uptown Amphitheater. Every music venue, local music venue in town is open, and people are flooding out. And, God, what, I saw Chicago play in late June, and then, peaked at Luke Bryan here a couple of weeks ago and then Dave Matthews band and then the, the, the tours are coming. And now over the next eight to 12 weeks, we are going to get influxed here with national touring accents to the Carolinas. And, uh, um, it, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really going to, um, it's really going to take off. Uh, I think with summer hits, as long as they can keep this COVID, uh, you know, on the back, on the back burner, the back side, and, uh, we can stay healthy. Um, uh, I look forward to some, uh, you know, getting back to, to normal things, uh, here in the next few months. I, I can't wait. Um, so, uh, man, it's going to be great. And, um, this weekend, Hey, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to record a commercial, but let me tell you folks something. If you want to see some great wrestling action, then you've got to head over to, the NAWA as they are having their heat wave um, event Saturday, um, th- this coming Saturday, August the 7th at the American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina. Uh, bell time is going to be 7 p.m. Doors open at 6. Uh, they're going to have a huge card, and yours truly is going to be there, and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait to, to, uh, to get there to the NAWA. Um, but there's 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 great and, and Tony, if I may, I know you've got some bookings lined up here. Man, I I do. <laughs> You're Chris. a wanted man. <laughs> man, you know, hey, I, I you know, it, it, one one thing I, that I, that I, I need to mention um, coming up this month. Okay, this month, August, um, August the twenty second, I believe it is, uh, will mark my anniversary in the wrestling business, Chris. This is this th- th- mm-hmm. this is gonna make me feel old. Or make me feel accomplished. I don't know which. <laughs> but it will give me 29 years in the wrestling business. 29 years that I have man. been uh, doing this. Um, and, uh, man, I, I wouldn't change anything. Oh, I changed a lot. But it, it wouldn't be. I still wrestled. Uh, but I think I would have uh, hung, hung hung around guys more more like Bobby Eaton and, uh, you know, the guys like that, because, uh, man, I, if, if at the end of the day, uh, you have two people that feel about you, the way the world feels about mm-hmm. Bobby, you're, you're, you're definitely doing something great. You did, you know, you're know. doing something right, you know? Um, but yeah, but I gotta say, I, I, I did see a video on online of you over the weekend and, um, I, you know, I know you had a big title defense and I, I loved your promo at ringside and you were like, you want a shot at this? 
Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> want that? You're gonna get it, man. I mean, I mean, it was classic. <laughs> classic. You're like, let's we're gonna take care of my my lightweight business here real quick. <laughs> oh man, it, you know it was so funny that that show you're talking about that that mm-hmm. that was our first show in the NAWA mm-hmm. first show back with fans, and yeah. uh, you know I, I pride myself <laughs> in being a, a great heel, and um and I went out there and I got on the mic and I said, hey, you know. Uh, how was I said? I said something like, "Hey, I know it's been a long time since uh since uh you people have got, got a chance to look at me, uh, but one thing I've realized now that you're not wearing mask, you're still as ugly as you were before the masks." <laughs> and when once I said that, man, they you know the booze came from from all the way in the back, and uh, oh man, and then of course I said, uh, and then the guy goes, "Hey, put the belt up." I'm like, "Oh, you want me to take, put my belt up? Okay, I put my belt up," and then I, I told the people. Too. If you people don't shut up, I'm taking my belt and I'm leaving. He won't get no stinking title shot. And of course, the booze came. And uh, but it was it was a fun match. And uh, of course, I had it with our, our, our one of our former uh, guests on the show uh, talking about Corey Edsel, and he'll be coming back here in the next uh, couple weeks. Uh, uh, he'll, Beautiful. He'll, he's going to be coming back and telling some more stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, but man, I'm really looking forward to getting back to normal, getting back out you know, out there doing these shows and, uh, seeing the people and, uh, man, I, I can't wait, uh, this Saturday night, uh, in Lenore, it's going to be red hot. And, uh, so make sure you fans head over to the NAWA page and, uh, and pull that up. And then there's a couple more big events coming up, uh, you know, here in the next, uh, in the next few weeks, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm booked on another show, Chris, uh, September mm-hmm. the 11th, uh, down in, um, South Carolina, it's going to be yeah. uh, at the uh, Rock Hill High School in Spring on, on, on Springdale Road there in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Uh, we're going to have the Rock and Roll Express is going to be there. Uh, a ton of other people are going to be there, and this, this this show is to benefit the 809 Foundation. So mm-hmm. uh, so you know fans go go go, go to the PWF um, Facebook page and uh, you can get all the information about that show. And then I've got another big NAWA show coming up uh, also in October, and we'll talk more about that on next week's podcast. Chris, you have anything else before we go off the air today? Man, Tony, this has been a great show. I, I, I know it was centered around, you know, the the death of, of this week of, of, you know, beautiful Bobby in the Midnight Express. Um, but it was a great show, and, um, you know, I'm looking forward to next week's show, and Man, I know you're going to have some stories for us. I know those fans of Lenore are ready for you this weekend at the NAWA, and they're going to knock it out, and you're going to keep moving on from town to town. But I know you got something in store for them this weekend, and um, looking forward to it. Thank you for having me a part of it. And, um, hey, the Midnight Express will live forever in professional wrestling lore and history, and uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton was a very, very big part of that. For sure. Well, fans, from uh, for Chris and I'm Tony, we like to thank you for joining us each week on the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you go like us on our Facebook page. Uh, if you'd like to hear or see a guest on our show, make sure you uh, send me a message on Facebook, and I'll try to make that happen. We got WrestleCade coming up here in the next few months. We're gonna have some, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the stars from WrestleCade is gonna be on the podcast coming up in the next few weeks. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but we've got a lot going on. I can't wait. So, fans, we'll uh, see you next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Beautiful Bobby Eaton was a member of the Midnight Express under the management of Jim Cornette. 
He originally teamed with Dennis Condry and later on with Stan Lane. He also worked with a number of other tag team partners, including Arn Anderson, Coco Beware, Steve Kern, and Lord Steven Regal. Over the course of Bobby's career, which lasted from 1976 to 2015, Bobby wrestled with every major wrestling promotion in the world, including World Class Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions, World Championship Wrestling, and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Bobby was inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2009 and the Professional Hall of Fame in 2019. Bobby has held a lot of championships over the world, including the NWA World Television title, the NWA World Tag Team titles, and the United States Tag Team titles. Bobby was also a member of the Blue Bloods. Every wrestler that wanted to be the best would step in the ring with Bobby. Bobby was just that good. And on August the 4th, 2021, the wrestling community lost a friend and beautiful Bobby. The Benchbuster Show would love to send out our condolences to the Eaton family during this special time. So today, while you're out there walking around, always know that the Sultan of Swing, beautiful Bobby, was and is and always will be the greatest tag team wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. for listening to The Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.